You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Curtain up, theater people, and welcome to your program is your ticket. Coming to you from the Hell's Kitchen area of Midtown Manhattan. Right smack dab in the middle of Broadway. My name is Sean Chandler, and I'll be your host. Your program is your ticket is a discussion of smaller theater works and the people and organizations that make that happen. As many of you know, or maybe you don't know, and if you're a theater newbie, allow me to explain it to you, your program is your ticket is a helpful system where your program is literally your ticket to get into the, into the theater and smaller, more intimate productions. It's these works we like to highlight, and it's our goal on this show to feature as many of those productions as possible while still discussing the biggies. I love theater and see as much as I can wherever I go. During the travels of the production of My Husband and My Play at The Flash, I have met many wonderful people from all over the world in the theater community, and it is my honor to bring them on as guests to the show. Tonight's guest will be Chicago-based, highly sought-after, and insanely talented musical director Aaron Benham. We'll be bringing Aaron on in just a few minutes, but first I'd like to talk about something that affects writers and, and, and actors as well out there. Maybe theater newbies and just overall general patrons might not have an awareness. The topic is rejection. I know, wah, wah, but it is so prevalent in in at least my identity as a writer um, and and the identities of many other writers that I know and actors as well. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and speak from my perspective as a writer. And as I said, I've had my share of, je- of rejection and and, and I'm not alone. So here we go. I've been writing for about a good 20 years before my husband and my play that I mentioned earlier, At the Flash, began its production life. And that was the first time I'd ever had any traction on any projects. Now, I had also written, I think at, at, at that point, two screenplays. I had written um, a couple of different uh, shows that I'd like to, to do, um, like put on the internet as internet series. Uh, I've submitted them to competitions, I had submitted them to festivals, and thus far the only thing that's been picked up is At The Flash, and w- which is great. I'm very, very lucky. A lot of writers don't really have that opportunity, or it takes longer than how, I, how long I've been writing. Um, since then, At The Flash has had a good seven productions, nationally and internationally, so again, lucky. But I'm not one to rest on my laurels, and of course... I love to create theater, so I just keep writing. Uh, since then, I've written two musicals with my musical writing partner, the uh, fabulous Leo Schwartz, who did our first show of your program, Measure Ticket, 
And um, Aaron is very much associated with those musicals, and we'll find out about that probably in his interview. And I was also asked to write a TV version, a TV series treatment for At The Flash. Now, these projects are technically really still in development because they haven't, they haven't gotten anything formal at this point. Um, but I have submitted to competitions and festivals, and uh, I've had some interest in, in, in a few of them. And uh, one of the festivals felt very strongly about it and possibly is still deciding on it. But thus far, that's about all. And I'm not special when it comes to rejection, as I said. Uh, most of my writer friends with way stronger pedigrees than, than me uh, have continued to get rejected as well. And um, these are people who have had stuff that's like off-Broadway. They've had people pick up their shows in, um, in, in, around the world, around the United States. And um, so it... It's good to know, and I'll, I'll talk about that. I mean, it's bad for them. It's not great because, you know, nobody likes rejection. We want to be super famous. We all want to be Lin-Manuel Miranda, but there's only one of him. And um, But but it, it's one of the things that I have found that can help fight and ease rejection as you go through this process. Um, there's a, I think that... Probably it's best summed up by when I was visiting a therapist while I was having success with At The Flash. Yes, I am that neurotic. I have to have a therapist to manage success. And she told me she'd worked with a lot of creative people in um, New York. She had been in New York before that. This is in L.A. And uh, she said, Sean, if you always make if you always make this situation about the relationships first – and befriend these wonderful creative people and nice people, then you will have a much easier time dealing with the roller coaster of, of emotions that you'll be on. That was probably one of the best pieces of, of advice anybody's ever given me because I have met so many great people and I consider them friends before I consider them co-writers or peers or what have you. That, that helps so much. So if you're listening to that, this show Please remember that. It's, it's, it's a great way to make the experience a million times better. Um, some of the other things that I've found that help fight or ease rejection are to join a writer's group. Um, if you're a writer out there, try to find a writer's group around you where you can go and you can um, uh, work on new material and be around other writers. It really sort of mints your identity as a writer within yourself before other people are calling you that. And that's really critical and important. It was for me, at least. Uh, try not to make writing your entire life. If something happens and things aren't going your way, get out and enjoy life. I mean, you really need to experience life to write about it, in my opinion. Um, but I, I know I have a tendency to get very uh, obsessive about wanting to succeed as a writer and I have to remember I am a real person and I am live with real people and deal with real people all the time. And that's, that's, I, I don't know if only writers can understand that, but it gets, it can be crazy. Um, and also I have this rule where whenever I get rejected, I give myself a two day pity party. That's all I get. If I don't make it into a competition or I get a letter of rejection or I get a bad review, I get two days to lay around, complain to my husband, um, 
two days is probably all he wants to tolerate of that. Um, I can eat whatever I want. I can have ice cream, whatever, which I kind of do anyways. But, um, but after that, it's right back on the horse. And uh, that seems to have helped because you actually feel it and you get over it. And also, you sort of become a little more callous. The pity parties may only last one day or a dinner or something like that. So I, I hope that helps, and I hope that sort of shines a light on some of the things that we go through as writers, particularly in the early stages of, of developing our careers as we're getting things off off-Broadway and off-Broadway and regional and things like that. So there you go. There's my opening topic. And now I would like to move on to our guest, someone who is not very often rejected, if at all, at least by me. As I indicated earlier, today's guest is the music man himself, musical director Aaron Benham. Hi, Aaron, and welcome to your program is your ticket. Hi, Sean. Glad to be here. Oh, good. It's so wonderful to have you on the show. I love show. how you said that I've never been rejected before. <laughs> <laughs> if only. <laughs> so there are people out there who just, they just don't get rejected. They just, you know, it's always, yes, 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 of course. I just, in my mind, I see you that way. Yeah, well, that's sweet. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, I met Aaron uh, probably about three years ago when I was working on the the development of my musical Running, which is a, a political musical about a, a family going through many crises. Crises, sorry. Crises. Crises, thank you. Crises. Crises. I, I don't, I'm afraid I don't know the plural of that. Um, and he signed on as the musical director for running and he was recommended by, by Leo, the composer as someone who just did such wonderful work. And, um, I said, absolutely. I trust you, Leo. And I am so glad that, that I completely went along with that decision because Aaron is wonderful. He is, he plays the music during the show. He's a brilliant pianist. And also, he, he works with our talent, even before they come into the rehearsal room with us as writers, to develop their, the music and the songs, and, and, um, and he's just, he, he just wonderful. He works with auditions. I mean, Aaron is just, I can't say enough about you, Aaron. Thank you. So, why don't you say something about yourself? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your creative theater passion. Uh, I've been working here in Chicago, I think going on eight years now to do the numbers again, but, um, I've been, uh, I studied acting and then I quickly realized I'm a much better music director (laughs) than an actor. Um, and I think, I think my background in acting actually helps me because, you know, a big part of, you know, music is communicating and, you know, there's all levels of musicians that you find yourself coming up with some speak music some speak their version of a musical language so i've i I think i think that helps me i learned how to be able to translate um yeah and so i've been working here i've been pretty busy i do this full time i mean i have about eight other little jobs that i do it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Um, yeah. So you, you've been working in, in theater overall. I I'm, well, not necessarily working, but this all started, did it start in high school or earlier than that? Oh yeah. I started in high school. I did once upon a mattress. And I think when I put those red tights on, I think I, I knew <laughs> I found where I'm supposed to be. Uh, and I'd always played piano. I, I, piano is always something that fortunately has come natural to me. I had a great teacher that he taught me more theory mm-hmm. and technique. And that really, that was just how I got my in into it. And yeah. So then I, I acted for a while. That was rough. The auditions were the hardest part because of the rejection. And then there it is. Uh, there it is. <laughs> I don't know how they do it. You got to have a real thick skin, or you got to have a really like intact reward system for yourself to be a, a successful auditioner. <laughs> What's an intact reward system? I like. I have friends that they always give themselves a reward beer, or they go see a movie after they have an audition. You know, it's just a little way to treat yourself after you put yourself on the line. And when you do, when you do that enough, I feel like it's a thing you can look forward to. <laughs> do you ever have to audition as a musical director? Or did you have to early on in your career? I still do. They, I get, I get calls. I've been getting a couple of calls about wanting to see me for projects and I've had to send in video submissions or tape submissions. So yeah, I think the, the auditioning doesn't end for anyone on this in this realm. Wow. I, I had no idea. I thought that, you know, you people just knew who you were because you work all the time. And I, I can totally vouch that you have eight projects going on without having seen you for what, two, six months because you were, you were so busy, but I just, I just thought that it's like, Oh, Aaron, Aaron Venom is great. Let's, you know, there you go. I didn't realize that, that there was an audition process. That's, that's very interesting to know. For some things, I think, well, for, for these things, they were opportunities in bigger houses around Chicago, and they don't know me as well because, I mean, even though I've been here for going on eight years, I'm still considered pretty new to the scene. So, Oh, wow. yeah. Well, what do you, with, with everything that you do, um, what is your favorite part of, of the process of developing a new musical? I like the collaboration. That is, that's always the one that's kept me going. When I have great collaborators like you and Leo, for instance, you know, the juices get flowing and it just, I think I I have a real good ability to help people realize what they want or, you know, express what they have in their, their heads. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's the collaboration It's working with the singers working with the musicians it's it's the teamwork yeah the teamwork yeah that's that's actually a very common statement on the show so far 
is that uh, uh, the people that you're working with really make a huge difference. They do. It can mean the difference between success or failure. Wow. Um, just as much as the actual quality. Um, I believe a, 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 a happy workplace is a, is a productive workplace. So I'm holding back on asking you for an example of a situation or a scenario where something failed because of that, because they, the, the, the people just weren't jiving or they weren't good people to work with. So you're welcome to answer that question if you want, or I could just move on. <laughs> well, I, I can give you an answer without naming names. Okay. Um, it just, the music director, director and choreographer, if there is one, I would say those are the three main leads on any musical. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you don't have faith in your leader, then why the hell are you going to work hard for them? You know what I'm saying? So I've been in instances where the director did not earn their trust. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I've been lucky or at least I've put in as much effort as I can to earn the trust of the people, of the musicians and the actors. But I've seen instances where the director didn't get there and it made for a, a not pleasant, not productive environment. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think they need to, it's not, it's not the director's job to change, to change for the cast, but they do have to, they got to lead with this, with the carrot more than the stick, I believe. Hmm. Um, and do you, actors and musicians are sensitive. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That they are. Especially young ones. Yeah. So, well, that's an interesting comment. Um, what are some of the challenges of working with the younger actors and musicians? It could be any, uh, mostly consistency Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's hard to, unless you've done this for years and years and years, it takes a while to find your stride. Right. And it can be really easy to, you really can't take anything personally in theater. It's the hardest part of it, I think. Like, cause in the end, after all your work, you still, people are going to review you and right. have opinions about what you do. And you really, you gotta, you gotta not take it personally. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta stand up for what you've done and stand by it. <laughs> yeah. As, it, yeah. Go ahead. Hard. When I was young, I had a really hard time with that. Did you? I, oh yeah. It's, it's really easy to value yourself based on what other people say about you. Um, and you gotta, you gotta knock that out of your head. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, now one of the things that that I always hear about theater students coming out of theater schools is that there is a certain sort of Broadway quality that, that they have that's difficult to shake if that's not the the theme of your show, like with, with, with running and we, the people, which is uh, the musical I'm working on now with Leo Schwartz, where you're the musical director. Um, we've had situations where people have auditioned and it was really hard to break that, that Broadway quality that they had. Do they learn that in, in uh, acting school? They do. I, okay. 
I've said this out loud. I can say it on here. I don't like acting school. You don't. I, w- I went there. The only thing I really learned was that I don't like acting school. <laughs> because, I mean, you think about it. The, the, your best way to learn how to do something is to actually do it. Mm-hmm. And in school, they kind of, it's like a mill. It's like a puppy mill. They just churn out, I think. They turn out performers that kind of blend in with one another and they there's no they don't encourage uniqueness. Mm-hmm. You know? Like you think of who are the big voices on Broadway. I would say it's Bernadette Peters, Patty Lapone, Elaine Stritch. Like you don't learn those voices, you know? Yeah. You can't I don't know, it's you you can you can learn to not be yourself. I guess is what I'm saying. And I always tell people whenever I coach someone, I say for an audition, I always tell them you have to be yourself and you have to not try to meet their expectations because you have no control over that. You only have control over what you can do, what you know you can do, and how you want people to perceive you. And when my, when I went to acting school, is probably all self-inflicted wounds. But I had a really hard time finding standing by who I was. Um, granted, I was in the middle of coming out when I was in acting school, and <laughs> you and seventy-five percent of the male student body. <laughs> Funny how that works out, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I really I don't know. My best, my biggest school was just doing it. Yeah. Just putting myself out there, falling on my ass, um, trying things. Uh, yeah. Hmm. It's, it's like it's, Leo always says he just throws stuff at the wall and sees what sticks. Right. Yeah. And that was, I mean, I still am doing that. Some, you know, some things in my life and. Sure. Oh, absolutely. I, be- I believe that. I would be glad to like articulate better on that at some point. But <laughs> that's my overall view of like. I, I think that, that your opinion is – I think you expressed it beautifully. And it's a very unique opinion and I think an important one to hear. I really do, particularly um, in, in, in the types of theater that, that we like to feature on the show – which is are the new theater, the the theater that that's experimental, the theater that's not up in the in the five percent of Broadway. That's a lot of what people are auditioning for, and that's great advice. And that comes from an, an outstanding musical director, folks. So so listen to him. He Aaron knows what he's talking about. Even if he thinks he doesn't articulate it very well, which he does all the time, because I'll be we'll be sitting there and I'll be like, um. Uh, let's see. Can you make it? I don't know. This is me more better. And then Aaron will articulate and say, okay, what you need to do is, is you need to focus more on your high notes and hit this note here and phrase better. And Leo and I look at each other like, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what we wanted. (laughs) (laughs) There's a whole language that sometimes we don't understand and, and you're there to translate. Um, what messages and themes do you strive to convey to audiences through the projects you choose? That is a great question. Oh, um, I mean, I want my the thing that I always expect when I go in to see a show is t- 
to be taken for a ride for however long and to just come away awake, (laughs) you know, either like physically awake or knowing something I didn't know before. Um, and I guess the way that if it's aside from it being like a piece that I'm actually writing, I think the best way that I can do that through the music is to just make it sound as full and, uh, expressive as I can. Hmm. Uh, you know, like I, it's so the, one of the biggest challenges for any musical is the sound. Um, if you don't have a good sound design, your show can be completely lost. And when you experience a show that has excellent design of sound and most of the time you don't even know that that's happening around you but you can just it's like you're stepping into a world of music wall-to-wall music and that just gets endorphins going it gets imaginations going and it's my job from my from where i sit in the pit to just make sure that that is that's the environment you're, you're in a world that is a musical world for the next hour or two hours, and you need to feel caught up in it. Do you often work with the technicians on the show uh, to make that happen? Yes, I do. It, it, fi- finding a good sound designer is, is it's tough because it's a very hard job, and I try to get in with them real early and try to, you know develop a rapport with sound designers and whoever is actually operating the sound in the show so that we can get on the same level and try to design the music for the show that is best. Make sense? Oh, uh, most definitely. Yeah. Is that, is that a a unique uh, strategy for a musical director or is that something all musical directors should do or, or that they actually do, or is it something you do that you're only aware of that you do yourself and a few other people? I know I do it. I know I, I always try to buddy up with the sound designer and the stage manager of every show I work on. Um, and I, I would think that most music directors would do that. Um, but like I said, sometimes it's hard to acknowledge the importance of just what, what your show can sound like, from the audience oh. you got you got to get out of the pit you got to sit in the audience um yeah oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I you got to be a stickler about it too you can't really compromise because like i said a bad if you can't hear the singers or if something if it's too loud it can you don't get the audience doesn't go along for the ride with you yeah i agree it can really sort of take you out of it because all you're thinking is can't hear that person or this is too loud and you're not connecting and engaging. So that's, that's a really, what, what that tells me is that you take the director portion of your job seriously in that you, in that you hold responsibility for how your music is sounding everywhere rather than just going in and let's letting somebody else take care of it. That's an excellent, excellent quality in my opinion. Well, I will say I do it as much as I can because I, you know, working in storefront, I most of the time conduct shows mm-hmm. that I have music directed. And so, you know, 
I'm in the the hands of the sound designer. Right. <laughs> Once that starts, I can't actually like, you know, I can't hear what the audience is hearing. So yeah, well, yeah, ha- having that relationship is key. Well, you make your best effort. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, what you do you think? Is, or exactly. Yeah, well, well, I always think you make your best effort. That's for sure. Um, what do you think is an important direction theater is taking right now? I think, I think it, well, this has always been this way, but I think it's getting more political or it's feeling the need to, mm-hmm. um, the more voices that we get in the theater from non white writers, directors, um, queer directors, um, just because think about it, think of who was writing musicals, for all of the 20th century. It's mostly old white guys. (laughs) And some of them are beautiful, but like, that's not, I don't know. The voices are changing and that's exciting to me. Um, I've, you know, especially after this election, I, I really kind of, I had to reassess, like if I'm going to work on something, I need to believe in it and believe that people need to see it. You know, like, we, we don't have time to, for fluff anymore, really. Um, did you just say for fluff? For fluff. Or for fluff. For fluff. <laughs> that's a, you know, that's a, a very, very common answer. That's the, the answer that I'm getting most from this particular question. And then I also have people answering that, you know, it, it's good to have a balance of a little bit of fluff and then, and then the hard-hitting stuff that's a reflection of, of our society today. I, I agree. Well, I actually think it can be really effective to kind of hide messages among the, the fluff, yeah. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, but I, a lot of people say that they go to the movies or go to the theater to escape for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and personally in my life, I don't know if escaping is always – the right thing to do. And so if you make escapist theater that also has a point of view and a set of values, then I think you're actually getting both sides of the coin. And that's when you walk out of the theater feeling, feeling woke. Wow. Uh, This, this is one of the qualities that I, I really like about you as a professional Aaron, is that you understand what it's like to be an audience member. You, I think that writers need to be good audience members in addition to their writing. It's so important to go out and see other people's work and view other people's work and uh, kind of analyze it and, uh, and, 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 and get that feeling that you were talking about. Of, of of being pulled along with the musical, but forgetting about your life. Uh, I like that you analyze. And I think, I think that's a terrific quality you have. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day. Couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little, actually a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, I always say, like, 
whenever I'm coaching someone, I'll say, okay, is that a performance I would pay $40 for? <laughs> or is that a performance I'd pay $100 for? Like, <laughs> you gotta, you can't control what people think of you, but you can do your best oh, every sure. time. And you can continue to get better and grow. Exactly. You will, you will always get better. So, <laughs> uh, what, do you think ah. is, what do you think is the best part of being involved with smaller productions? What do you like best about it? I like the – I'm, I'm going to get to do stuff that I would never do. Like you know, if you're only going to be on Broadway, you're, you might get to do like a Hamilton or a Book of Mormon. But you're not going to do stuff like The Wild Party by Michael John Lacusa or I did Carrie the musical a couple years ago. Like these are shows that only only really work in a small space for a limited time. Right. You know, they come and then they live and then they're gone. And I love that. Like I think in one year I did a whole range of different shows. Like I did Xanadu, <laughs> and then I did My Fair Lady, and then I did a rock opera about Tanya Harding, and it was just. No, I always have to sit back and look at the the variety and the scope of these things that I get to work on. Uh, that's quite cool. quite a docket there. <laughs> quite a docket. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think every theater theatrical artist, like musical director, director, writer, composer, actor, should be doing right now to be relevant and successful in the industry? Um. Well, you gotta you gotta know your stuff. Um, you gotta it's hard, but you gotta stay up to date with new uh, new shows, new scores, new composers. They're popping up all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually something I struggle with because you know sometimes I get home and I don't want to listen to a musical. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, <laughs> but, but you know you gotta like keep your ears open for it and like this. Like that Dear Evan Hansen that just came out. Everybody is talking about that and wanting to sing songs from that. So that's going to influence. That's another influence on the theater, just like Hamilton has been. Um, so you got to know your. You got to know what you're working with, and. Um, how many how many times have you heard uh, female singers sing sing Burn? Oh, a bunch. <laughs> It's a great song, but it isn't. It shouldn't shouldn't actors and actresses when they go into audition for when they when they need to sing? Shouldn't they sing something? Are you always more impressed when you get someone who's not singing "Burn" or is not a, a guy who's not singing, you know, "Dear Evan Hansen," and they sing something that's a little more unique or outside of that? Uh, does it impress you a little bit more? Are you are you more excited about that audition? I, so, okay, when I do, whenever I coach a singer for an audition and they ask, is this song overdone? And I say, it's not been done by you. And if you know you can nail it and you know that you can, you can get the audience to understand everything that you're thinking, then do it. Um, so like I will, I could, everyone should do burn who thinks that they actually get the song. Yeah. Um, don't just do it because it's a pretty song. Um, you're not doing your work as an actor. If you're just picking a song because you think you'll sound good doing it or it'll be right for the show you're auditioning for. No, you need to pick something that you actually have a connection with. Um, that's, yeah, 
That's that's interesting. I remember I watched this program. I don't, I don't know what it was called, but it was this documentary about uh, a bunch of kids who are selected from their drama classes at a high school, and they go to Lincoln Center and they participate in this competition to have a, a male and a female winner. And the the female winner, the the actress, she picked the song. I forget what it's from. It's called it's called Disneyland. Yeah, Myron Hamlish. And and the guy came on, and one of the judges, he came on sort of in the, one of the confessionals and said, oh, my God, how many times do I have to hear the song Disneyland is what I thought. And then we heard her sing it, and it was as if nobody had sung that song before. Mm-hmm. It was as if she, she connected to it, and she, she felt it. She felt that trip. To, about she felt what it was like to go to Disneyland and the anticipation. So she was able to to act it, and um, I thought, wow, that's that's a really interesting take. What are some of the other uh, songs that that people sing all the time? Where you're like, oh my god, not again. The big one is "On the Street Where You Live" from My Fair Lady, and I love that song. I think it's a wonderful theater piece, but 99% of the time the, the gentlemen will just stand there and I don't know that music for that song. I see him running around and swinging on lampposts and, you know, throwing his heart out to the wind because he has just found the woman that he is in love with. And I mean, if you pick that song, unless you commit to that, it's not going to work. Right. And, and that's a song that's done so much, it's so easy to write that off, you know? Mm-hmm. So you can have the most beautiful voice in the world, but I've heard four other guys sing that today, and you didn't make me perk up, you know? And you didn't do your homework. You, <laughs> didn't, you didn't actually look at what the text of the song is. Right. What about the ladies? What's over Ladies? Yeah. Um... There's a there's a few I would say. I know there's one that I tell women never to sing. It's that one from How to Succeed about his dinner, keeping his dinner warm or whatever. I'm not like, I'm a, not familiar with that. I've never seen that musical. Oh well, this song is it, it doesn't fly nowadays. <laughs> it's about a woman who all she wants is to get married and stay home and take care of his house for him, and. I just don't think it flies. I think it's actually insulting <laughs> to women. So that's a song I hear a lot and never really quite lands just because of the time that we're in right now. Yeah. And because it's overdone. Yeah. That's almost a song you'd need to sing like ironically or something. You'd have to put like a exactly. weird, like, like don't ever do this, but I'm singing about it sort of. And, right. and I, I, irony is not really your help. Your friend, when you're in an audition or exactly. an interview, <laughs> exactly, you want to be genuine, <laughs> genuine and straightforward, and and take your take your notes and take your changes that they're giving you, and work with them, and be okay with it, and and actually uh, change what they're asking you to change when you sing it again. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard. Being an actress, rough. <laughs> yeah, <right>, exactly. <laughs> then you had singing and dancing, and oi. Oy, oy vey. Yeah, right. Uh, tell us what you're working on lately. What you got going on? I've got a lot of things actually right. going on. I've been, I've been doing a lot of writing, which is where I want to 
I would love to do more of. I'm, I'm, I have a show that will be produced this fall here in the city, and then I'm working on a couple other projects. Um, and then, so I've got a few shows lined up for next year. I'll be working on a musical called Marie Christine by Michael John Lacusa. Yeah. Another show that I will probably never get to do, <laughs> ever again, <laughs> because it's uh, check it out. You'll see. It's it's an experience that piece. It's a it's a musicalization of Medea. Oh boy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, but actually, I'm going to be in a show next. I'll be on stage. Uh, I'm going to be playing one of the Pump Boys in Pump Boys and Dinettes at a regional theater here in Illinois. No way. Yeah. Wow. That's one of the, the shows that I saw on my very first trip to New York when it was first here on Broadway with, with Deborah Monk and I forget the actress from from – uh, Nashville that was in R- Ronnie Blakely. And I, I don't know, I don't remember the guys, but I remember thinking, eh, and then we, somebody gave me the ticket and then we went and I was like, this is great. It's, it's a fun time. It is. We 90 had, minutes are just fun. <laughs> we, we had a, we had an awesome time. Um, okay. Why don't you give all our, give our audiences all your social media information, if you will, so that they can look you up and contact you if they want to. Uh, I'm on Facebook. You can look it up my name. Um, I'm actually not on Twitter or Instagram. <laughs> I haven't. I'm, I'm not. I haven't fallen for it yet. <laughs> so, um, but um, yeah, Facebook is the best way to you know get a hold of me if you have any questions. Or do you have a website or a YouTube channel? I don't yet. I'm working on a website. Leo. Leo has inspired me. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Well. We'll. People can look you up on Facebook. It's it's Aaron Benham, A A R O N B E N H A M, and he's a musical director. And he is out of Chicago, and he's he's fabulous. Well, thank you for being with us, Aaron. You were such a great guest, and so many things I never knew. Thanks, Sean. This was this was wonderful. Oh, good. thank you very much. Good. I hope you come back. I would love to. Okay, good, good. I always say that open ended, and I'm like, please say you will. Please say. <laughs> I'd be so embarrassed. Like, oh no. No, 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 Sean. I don't think so. But I'm glad you'd be coming back. Um, well, allow me to give a shout-out to a current show that I've really, really enjoyed. Um, if you can, please try and see the Public Theater's production of Joan of Arc, Into the Fire. It's a new musical that tells the story of Joan of Arc. It's a rock musical. It's written by Oscar, Grammy, and Golden Globe winner David Byrne of The Talking Heads. I don't know if, if I think most people know who he is. Um, he's he's legend in, in music circles. It's directed by Alex Timbers. Now, this is the same team that did a musical version of the life of Imelda Marcos called Here Lies Love, which was her life story told in told in like a disco, like a 70s disco. It, it, I never saw the show. I wish I would have. I love the cast recording. It is, it's, it's really good. So they've, they've gotten together and they've written this show, Joan of Arc, um, into the fire. Now it got mixed reviews, but I really liked it. Um, to me, it satisfied what I call the three E's, which is to entertain, educate, and edify the audience. Um, I, I was entertained by the direction and, uh, the performances were real, were really, really spot on. Uh, I was educated because I learned more about Joan of Arc than I ever knew, and I really was uplifted by the end by by the 
message, which is to treat religion as something that can make good things happen as opposed to um, all the war that it, it makes happen. I mean, that's there too, but towards the end, I, I, we got a, a great message of that. Uh, again, great cast led by Joe Lampert, who is, she has like a rock band background. She's just really punked out, excuse me, punked out kind of girl. And she's just, she's just got an excellent voice and she's doing a great job acting. Is it a perfect show? No, I would say it's about 70% there. And I mean, you could, you could use some book changes and some lyric changes and stuff. Um, but I personally think that we really need to throw our support behind shows that are building like that. And for the record, David Byrne was there, which I freaked out over, but he was there with a pad and a pen and he was taking notes, which means he's making changes as things go along. Um, it's during, it's during these times that the creative teams are hard at work, listening to the audience uh, making adjustments, they, and, and the cast is changing stuff pretty much on a daily basis when it's going through something like this. And having an audience there just helps along because they really need to hear the response that's coming from them. And you never know when it comes to these shows. Even if shows don't make it to Broadway, oftentimes once these shows get released for licensing to do in local smaller theaters, just what Aaron was talking about the creativity you see applied to the projects is is limitless, um, it, and, and it's one of the ways that small theater thrives. I mean, uh, case in point, I know you're talking about. Uh, Aaron was talking about Carrie. Uh, Carrie was a huge flop on Broadway. I, it just it's it's notoriously the biggest flop on Broadway. But recently, uh, I think it was a couple years ago when I lived in California, they did an excellent immersive production. At I want to say it's the La Mirada Civic Light Opera, which is led by Kathy Rigby, who I saw in Peter Pan, and she was really, really good. But this is her, her and her husband's theater, and this show was absolutely brilliant. Um, my niece is here with us, and she was saying it's it's well, it was her favorite show until last night when we took her to see Miss Saigon. <laughs> so, uh, which which by the way is terrific. Anyway, but that's a big Broadway show. So it's one of the ways that, that, that we thrive in small theater and, and the talent that you have uh, and the, the visions that uh, the people have in small theater with create, the creative teams really can make these shows fly. So, you know, give it a chance. Let it, let it build. Let it develop. Try to have an open mind um, when shows are like this because you never know. And, you know, and, and I really liked it. I thought it was great. It's playing at the public theater which is at 425 Lafayette Street here in New York City. It's closing on April 30th, and you can go to publictheater.org for more information and tickets. That's theater with an E-R, as opposed to an R-E, because, you know, people spell it both ways. Well, folks, the proverbial 11 o'clock number has been sung and the vows have been taken, so it's time to lower the curtain. I'd like to thank our guest, the brilliant and fabulous Aaron Benham. If you'd like for me to give a shout-out to a show in your area or a mention of your organization, go to my Facebook page at facebook.com backslash your program as your ticket. Give me a like, shoot me a message, and I'll be happy to give you the mention. Folks, take a little time to see a show this week, and don't forget to give a smaller show some love. There are a lot of theater gems out there. Until our next show, good night, theater people, and curtain. wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud. 
with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.